listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? Uh, man, I'm optimistic. You're optimistic. That's how I'm doing. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> Just uh, generally? Or, well, or like most it's, show it's life? May. Like, you know, is. May is a very optimistic kind of month. Yeah. You know? It's it's pretty easy to be happy when it's this sunny. You know? you know. Yeah. Summer's around the corner. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. So I'm uh, generally Let's optimistic. Book some vacation. Yeah. 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 And uh, and uh, I'm optimistic about uh, just up today's uh, show as well because we we talk a lot about kind of um, we'll beat heads between uh, SaaS marketing, software marketing, and manufacturing. So now we're going to turn it right on its ear and bring somebody in that generally is marketing software, but to manufacturers. Um, and uh, I just think it's a there's a fun uh, number of layers to this uh, particular marketing challenge. Yeah, absolutely. So joining us today is John Buglino. John is the director of marketing at Optessa. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, John. Hey guys, thanks very much for having me today. It's a pleasure. John, it's great. And uh, I, uh, I tried to tee Jeff up for an easy segue to say the word Optessa with optimistic, and he completely botched it. <laughs> I caught it. I caught it. <sighs> Man. It's all it's, good. Uh, I'm just toiling here. and um, <laughs> The genius, it's real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 it's great to have you on the show, John. Thank you for uh, joining the, the, the Cooler Ring today. Uh, look, uh, once you... Give our listeners a bit of background about you and uh, tell us about Optessa. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, uh, appreciate the time and uh, for having me on the show today. So John Maglino, Director of Marketing with Optessa. I've been with the company for a little over three years now, and we are an advanced advanced planning and scheduling uh, software uh, targeting global manufacturers that have complex problems and are experiencing issues in their operations. And yeah, we just look to have conversations to see where the pain points lie um, and really just get in front of the manufacturers that have these, like I said, complex uh, problems that really require uh, the right software to really get them the solutions they need to drive the real business results. And when we say complex problems, we're talking about uh, optimizing supply. Uh... Everything related to supply side, um, you know, SNOP, right? Yeah. So supply side operations planning. So making sure you, you match your demand with your supply, making sure you have the right materials where they need to be, when they need to be there, uh, the staff and the machines, everything running in an optimal fashion. And, you know, things over the last couple of years, I'm, I know you guys are familiar with it, you know, even pre-pandemic, these issues existed. The pandemic just exasperated these items and brought it even more to the forefront. And now we're kind of in this, I'll call it a recovery but we still have problems uh, with the execution, right? So now everyone's just drowning in data and orders and systems and tools and things that are happening, but really lacking that execution side of it. And that's where we really, we really come in. So it's really, now that you understand where your demands are or what your demands are, now it's time to actually execute and get things out the door to then meet your customer needs and also your business needs. And I think like the thing that's interesting about the marketing and sales challenge that an organization like Optessa and many others have is that, you know, the, your solution is out there. It's helping organizations like this move and digitally transform in the way that 
you know, they need to in order to progress and understand what they have to do, but they don't necessarily know that yours is the solution or that, you know, that this is a solution and, and what to look for. And, and that makes it difficult. Well, I guess that's probably because we're solving a lot of different problems for different people, right? I mean, it's, it, like I, I just said, as, as John was mentioning, there was a kind of a lot of ands, like we solved this and this and this and that. <laughs> and it's like, every and makes it really hard to market, I think. Right. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the biggest piece of it. So the problems, how it's being solved today are very, I'll call them one note. So it's helping you do one and not the other or one without considering anything else. So, you know, not the... The, the term is really like, um, or the phrase is like a greedy heuristic. So it, it'll help you do one thing really well and sacrifice absolutely everything else. So for example, if you have to meet your customer delivery dates and that's what you say, that's all I want to do today is make sure that all my deliveries go out on time, but you fail to realize that you don't have the material, the staff, the machines. It's going to take you 18 hours to do that. It's just not possible. So what we really look to do is understand that, but also you tell us you want to meet your delivery dates. We will make sure we look at your entire solution space to give you that optimal view. This way you understand the trade-offs and you're not just running through a wall and realizing now, okay, we did it, but it took 18 hours and six hours or 10 hours over time. And you know, the machines are now all, all broken down, things like that. And you know, we ran out of all of our inventory. So, it, we we are the one where it's the end and the end and the end because we look at everything. We don't leave anything out. So we look at your entire operation. So if you have three lines, we'll make sure we utilize all three lines to their full capacity. Or we understand what that capacity or those capacities are. And that's where when we look at current solutions, only handle one note or one thing or are only helping with one item that's right in front of that operations leader or planner or scheduler or whomever is in charge of the operation. We look at everything, whereas right now they're looking at what they can really like understand themselves, right? Interesting, because that, uh, you know, the, the thing that's an advantage to you is also probably a disadvantage in terms of even getting the opportunity to help somebody in the first place. Because of course, that problem that's right in front of that operations lead is the thing that they're going to search for a solution on not all of the other pieces one assumes right yeah absolutely so that's why when we're having conversations with our customers or those that are looking for our solution we bring it back and say you need to provide us with three three things just to get started and these serve as our baseline so we need to understand your orders so we have to understand your customer orders and what's in demand of you we have to understand your materials and your constraints uh, related to your lines and your inventories and your things like that. And we also have to understand your business rules. We have to understand what you're hoping to obtain or do as a result of implementing the software. And if you're able to articulate those three things, we can hit the ground running. We don't want to complicate it from the start and say, oh, I don't have my labor digitized or I don't have my shift patterns or I don't have my inventory numbers for the next six months. I only have it for three months remove all that let us get those three things first and then we'll build upon it and grow with you as as we progress and mature and and we get this process done with you guys so i think we have a good understanding of what optessa does as best as as best we can i'm kind of curious let's kind of unpack a little bit about how you get the opportunity to do it 
How do you actually uh, get in front of these? Because you, you work on a lot of different verticals, my understanding. Right. Um, and uh, and that can often present a, a fairly uh, large awareness challenge, especially um, uh, for an organization the size of Optessa. Um, yes. Let's peel peel the onion a bit on the uh, on the marketing here. How are you um, navigating uh, that that discovery phase and kind of getting in front of uh, your prospects early on? Yeah, so that's there's a couple really key channels for us. The first one is our customers. So our customers were and are our foundation of how we were able to grow over the last twenty plus years. So once we implemented with our first customer then they walked us into our next customer and then they told them about another auto oem that needed us and so we grew through word of mouth and the referral kind of network there then once i wouldn't say we exhausted it but other things started happening as things progressed with the different customers is we started looking at who else was working with that customer and kind of worked on that partner relationship because now you have individuals that are with these customers on a daily basis they're with these customers having conversations about what they want to do on a longer or larger scale. And then we're the common denominator to see where things fit. The other area is, of course, inbound, right? So we have to be able to attract our prospects and also keep our customers uh, satisfied through what we're putting out from a content perspective, but through the lens of value, right? So we have a platform and, and we can do everything that I mentioned earlier about constraints and business rules and optim optimization, that's all well and good, but really people want to know what's in it for them. And they really want to know what pain or what problem you're going to solve for them. So that's where from an inbound perspective, our website perspective, we leave with customer stories and use cases. This way, someone on the other end is researching a specific problem. We have that solution and they want to have a conversation. So while we handle inventory and business rules and constraints and capacities and all those things the person on the other end is really only looking for one solution to one problem and we have to make sure we cast a very wide net and then funnel them in so it's multi-pronged um, approach but again it's leveraging our existing customers working our partner relationships within those customers and then also developing the stories to attract future customers based on what we're doing with the aforementioned two uh, parties. I, I have to think too, I mean, the, the partner channel is a, is a real stroke of brilliance. And, and I think what really makes that work so well, and there are, you know, there's, there's lots of great SaaS examples of, um, you know, uh, great software companies choosing to build a very strong partner network because they know that if they don't have people who can help implement that solution, it will fail. So, you know, you can have the best piece of software in the world, but if people don't understand it and it's not put in properly and it's not aligned with the goals and expectations of that organization, it doesn't matter how good the software is, nobody's going to use it and right. then it's a failure. So I, I think that's brilliant. And, and I, I, I'd love to learn a little bit more about kind of how you develop and grow that partner network and how they help Optessa scale. Yeah, so that's that's key. So when we are working with the new customer, you know, it's a it's a long sales cycle. It's also, I would say, a lengthy implementation process with a lot of moving pieces, right? So best case scenario, every customer wants to be implemented in 90 days. Everyone wants to be implemented in the, you know, tomorrow. 
but we know that there's limitations with staff and resources and time and things like that. But also on both sides of it is there's already individuals and partners working with that customer that has done these integrations to your point, Jeff, to where now we just have to make sure that the partner can connect to and write to and use our software and inject it into the systems currently with that customer. So it kind of alleviates a bunch of the implementation and integration process. And again, the other piece of it is the customers are really risk adverse. So aligning with a partner and having them walk you in as a trusted partner through them gives that sense of, you know, stability and that calm of like, don't worry, here's a solution that's going to be able to help you with these three things. We will help implement, we will take things and, and make sure everything works. No problem at all. And that's really what we've, we've done because at the end of the day, the in-house teams that these customers and these manufacturers are stretched thin. So they're leveraging partners with these integrations. And then when we're partnering with them, it's an easier, it's an easier kind of fit from a revenue standpoint or a profit standpoint or whatever we want to talk about. We, we take care of the SaaS side of items and then the implementation integration services is all with the, with the partner. So at the end of the day, everyone wins from the solution provider standpoint, but ultimately the customer wins as well because they now have a new solution that is now integrated through their trusted ch channels and partners. And now we just move forward. I think that trust element is a really critical piece. And uh, Jeff mentioned, you know, the, the notion of partner networks being fairly common. Of course, in, in marketing agency land, everybody will think of uh, HubSpot. But and and there, the the polarity is almost reversed. Uh, you know, you have a bunch of agencies that are trying to uh, live off of the trust that a big brand like HubSpot brings to market. And interestingly, your partnering and uh, your partnering approach is is kind of operating in the reverse, where 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 you're looking to leverage the trust that those partners have inside those client relationships. Fascinating. It's uh, it, it's uh, and, and uh, I, I agree with Jeff. I think it's a it's a stroke of genius in your in your three pronged strategy for sure. Yeah, and I think another piece of it is, I think I mentioned earlier, the partners are having the conversations with those customers and are really in tune with their needs as a business. And so not only are we selling to the partner, we also have to sell to the customer once everything's you know taken care of, but the partner is the one that's gonna reach out to the solutions providers and say, I'm working with a customer, I won't tell you their name just yet, but here's the things that we think you guys can handle, or here's the project scope, here's where we think you can fit, or you can get the partner to say, I'm working with a customer, Here's the 10 things they've identified as opportunities over the next six to 12 months. Let us know what you want to, uh, part of the business you want to vie for and what solutions you can provide. And we'll work together to understand that. And then we'll work together on a solution uh, jointly with the customer and bring it to the customer's attention. I mean, I'm always, uh, I don't know about you, but as a marketer, I always get a little nervous when things seem to be going pretty well. You know, you look at the, oh, you've got three uh, sources of, uh, of kind of uh, biz dev here, we're leveraging our customers. We've got a strong partner network and inbound lead flow, um, and uh, that works well until it doesn't, I guess. And I'm curious, kind of, where are you kind of looking to take some bets? Where are you looking around the corner to say, this is where we might might be able to go next? Yeah. So I think, so our our biggest challenge and things that we're trying to do is diversifying. 
right? So the biggest thing that we've heard, um, not only from our partner network, is that we're uh, very strong in automotive or discrete manufacturing, and then we need increase our use cases um, and case studies when it comes to process industry. So, you know, penetrating things like food and beverage or pharmaceutical and things like that. And we do have those stories, um, but I think it's a, it's a disadvantage optically um, when you like look or research um, on there. So the bets that we're kind of taking is really looking to the software and to the platform to say, here's what we've identified as gaps in these other verticals where we want to be stronger. And now here's how we need to address those items. And I can say uh, with confidence that we've addressed those and we were able to land a new logo in the last uh, three months based on those efforts, right? So we always have to adapt. We have to change. We have to do the R&D. We have to listen to our customers. We have to listen to the industry about what's needed. And we have to educate ourselves, right? Because we can't walk into a pharmaceutical company or opportunity with a, a partner for pharmaceutical showcasing things we're doing for discrete. It, it's a complete mismatch and you lose them from the start. So you have to be able to understand the nuances between the different verticals and the different customers and then adapt your software to showcase those items and then make sure you can deliver uh, when called upon when implementation. Yeah, I mean, man, the, uh... And obviously, the use cases would be very uh, uh, diverse between those the various categories. And um, how, 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 I guess I'm curious, how different have you, have you found the, the actual selling environments to be? Uh, are the buying committees generally larger in the automotive side and in the process side? Or kind of any patterns that you've noticed? They're, they're, they're all definitely complicated. Um, I think there's other... Um, Certain industries are a little more risk adverse than others. Um, so when you're, when you're thinking about aerospace and defense, uh, highly risk adverse, um, they want to, you know, really work with trusted partners, advisors, internal teams, and really want to do a lot in-house. From a process uh, industry standpoint, they're the higher, like high volumes and high volatility uh, related to their products and, and what they have on there and their delivery dates are a little bit more near term as opposed to say like automotive or those aerospace types of items. So working and understanding those nuances and those differences is really our advantage when we're talking to these these customers. When it comes to the business rules, you know, the process industry is a little bit more in tune with their inventory and their levels and changing things out. Um, so changeovers. Uh, that's a universal pain point, but the process industry, their changeovers and their changes happen more frequently, um, you know, and you're also dealing with a little more sensitive type of materials. So different ingredient mixes, uh, allergens, um, and different things like that, liquids and, and chemicals. So it's a little bit more detailed as opposed to, say, on the automotive side, like doors and buttons and things like that. So it's a little bit more... Um, I would say a little more descriptive on, on what's really needed there. And again, like I said, if you walk into a process manufacturer showcasing discrete types of items, it's, well, how are you, how are you gonna rotate my tanks and clean out my lines? I, I don't see the symmetries here. I don't see the alignment. I don't, I don't quite understand. But when we showcase and have our demo and have our uh, conversation, we showcase how we handle the changes with lines and how we handle those types of business rules and requirements. So those are the types of items where we have to go on a certain assumptions 
and then they validate those assumptions and we say, you know, others in the industry seem to have a lot of issues with changing over tanks, right? Is that something that's that you guys are dealing with? No. Are you guys dealing with uh, volatility with your ingredient mixes? Or are you dealing with, um, you, you know, things like uh, expiration dates? Are you dealing with issues with color matching or things like that? So we have to kind of understand those different use cases and kind of lay them out there and then have the, the prospect and customer really respond to those those types of items and, and just have that conversation. One of the things that uh, that I always find so interesting about software um, and selling into or selling software into other organizations is that oftentimes, especially in the SaaS world, you know, like the audience for a lot of SaaS products is limitless. You know, whereas what you're talking about is, you know, we've got these these automotive OEMs and there's only like, what, 15 of them in the world or whatever. And, uh, you know, and then you have the process companies and you're looking to get into pharma and, and other types of things like that. I'm reminded of a, of a story I, I heard years ago about, uh, you know, a, um, a wedding photographer that pitched on trying to shoot the latest Audi, you know, <laughs> car. It. it, it you can't even get consideration there because you just don't understand the industry. You don't understand. You've never done that kind of thing. There isn't a, uh, you know, a direct transferal of skills. So, you know, kind of building up those case stories ab about each industry as part of like, where do you introduce those in, in the sale? Like, is that, is that coming in first? Is it a qualifier or is the partner qualifying you? And then you use the case stories to help close. Like what's the order of operations? Yeah, it's, it's a combination. If we're working with a partner, we make sure that the partner is well aware of where we start and end, right? So we have finite start and end. So we are on the supply side. We take, you know, so if a partner comes to us and asks for us to be part of the demand side, so uh, understanding things coming in, that's not where we fit. We take demand as an input. So we make sure they understand once you have all your uh, materials, things like that. So we, we, articulate where we want to be and, and play to our strengths, right? And we're very clear. That's the other thing is we're very transparent in saying, here's where we can help and here's where we cannot help. So we also don't overpromise and underdeliver because nobody wins uh, when you do those types of things. When we're working with inbound or individuals reaching out, we try to disqualify early or earlier on because if they're looking for something that does not fit our needs or does not fit what we do, it, again, it doesn't make any sense to overpromise and then underdeliver and string them along. It's a lengthy enough cycle already to then start saying, yeah, 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 we'll take care of it. Yeah, we can do that. No problem. We look to qualify, to your point, Jeff, earlier on, like explain to me what your problem problems are and where do you think our software can can help? And that's, they have to get talking. So it's, it's open-ended, you know, so we get inbounds and I'm sure others, you know, listening and other marketers experience it. Uh, I want to see your software. Okay. I can show you my software. No problem. You can go on YouTube and see my software. Like, why do you want to see the software? So that's not a conversation. That's an email back. Give me the one reason that you reached out to me and articulate it back to me. Make sure, let us understand. And if you don't want to email, let's jump on a quick five minute phone call and let me understand what you're looking to do or, or the projects there. So, Again, we look to disqualify earlier on to make sure we don't waste effort and we also don't waste the effort of the prospect or those looking and also the partner. 
right? Because if the partner comes to us and says, here's what, here's the five things they need in the next six months and we can't handle any of it, we have to walk away from it. And too many in the business want to just be part of it that they say, yeah, yeah, we want to be part of the project. But if it's outside of what you do, there's no value. There's no value to the customer, the partner, because now everyone looks foolish when you now have to deliver on that task that you can't. So, and that really to the early point, Carmen, like you break that trust instantly because now you're making everyone look bad and you should have just said no from the start. This way everyone could have moved on. So I think that's the whole piece of it is be very clear about what your expectations are of the prospect and what the prospect expectations are of you. This way everyone, everyone wins in the end. I'm curious how you, um, there must be some sort of inclination to want to stay engaged with that prospect. I appreciate the notion of disqualifying early. There's not a need for us right now. But if you know that that's an organization that you could do business with, they maybe just don't have the pain point that you solve right now. Have you found any kind of uh, particularly successful way of 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 growing that awareness uh, pre um, uh, problem identification, so to speak, or or how or how how have you nurtured some of those relationships along until the point that they actually do need you? Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great point. And when we disqualify, say for example, they're looking for an ERP or they're looking for something that's outside of what we're able to control or at, or able to provide. We still learn about the organization, about their operation, about their pain points, about why they're even you know looking to implement the other software or platforms and things like that. So we always learn from each of the engagements, right? So that's the whole piece of it is if it's not right now, it's okay, you're implementing this piece of software. Here's where I think we're going to come in and fit. Tell me a little bit more about your operation. Tell me a little bit more about um, your structure, your lines, your your team involved. Tell me a little bit more about how you utilize your labor. Are there any other things? So you kind of plant that seed a little early and kind of say, all right, well, I know the next six months you're going to be heads down with this implementation. I'm going to reach out in six months and see what's what's happening on in your operation and understand if things have changed from what you just told me and where, where you are at that point and see if it makes sense uh, to kind of re-engage at that point. So to, to your point, Carmen, like we always learn from the conversations and then apply it forward. So if we're working or speaking to someone outside of our normal verticals, we look to get as much information as we can to learn, to understand. And then we take that back to our team and say, here's what we heard from this, uh, this beverage manufacturer. And here's the problems they were having. And, and it's all around uh, cleaning and, and sterilization and, and how could we show this in the software and how could we develop messaging around that type of thing? Or here's what we heard from aerospace and here's what, you know, they're not, they're low volume, but they're high mix, but their mix is all around their labor. And we have to understand skilled trade. So we learn from each engagement and look back to apply it to the product. And then we also look at it from a messaging standpoint of how can we utilize what we heard to kind of bring a pain forward using different types of messaging. I mean, digital transformation is hard enough <laughs> that choosing yeah. to go into something that you don't yet understand, you know, and end up, you know, um, 
end up with a customer who can't use it or it doesn't accomplish their goals or or even if it's one of your competitors that does the same i mean it paints it ends up painting the whole um you know supply chain automation digital transformation business with the same brush so you know it's i think it's important for, even for your competitors to be listening to your messaging here like don't screw it for the rest of us you yeah. know because you, you really do need to um to have a good handle on that to make sure that it's a, it's a good experience for everyone all around. Yeah, and I think digital digital transformation. I, I I smiled as soon as you said it because it's one of those topics where everyone's involved in or everyone is doing some sort of digital transformation, and everyone's saying no, this is right, no, that's right. Everyone's right. You know, digital transformation it goes a layer further into maturity of the digital transformation. Right, going from pen and paper or whiteboard or notes on you know pieces of paper to something digital. I don't care what it is, just putting it into Notepad or you know just putting it on your computer or getting it someplace in an email. That's digital transformation. Like that's a step for that company. Then there's others, you know, on the other end where they currently have an ERP or they have connected systems and softwares, and they're looking to either rip out and replace or complement with new it's all part of it and that's that that wide range of you have someone with pen and paper that's going to put it in an email and then put it on a shared drive and then you have others that are in it where they're trying to balance nine different connected systems and one connector broke we have to figure out what to do so digital transformation is an is a great topic to talk about especially when a customer or, or prospect identifies that because then we instantly learn, where are you in that maturity? Are you coming from uh, spreadsheets? Now you're looking to finally use a platform. Um, you know, so it's like, um, from a marketing perspective, a CRM. CRM could be on paper, a CRM could be in a spreadsheet, a CRM could be in an actual CRM provider like you mentioned earlier, Carmen, like HubSpot. You're all right, it's just a matter of where are you? Like, what are you looking to do? And what are the goals, right? What are you tracking? What are the goals related to that? So that's a that's a great conversation to have with a prospect or even a customer of help me understand where you are in your digital transformation journey. And then we'll work and have that conversation around that as our, our baseline. I think you've also done a great job of illustrating why the words digital transformation are in a particularly useful uh, positioning. <laughs> right? <laughs> it means a lot of very different things to a lot of very different people. Right. John, I'm wondering, um, I'm always curious uh, as uh, people uh, get along in their marketing career and they figured a few things out along the way. Um, I'm always curious what type of advice they would give to their younger self starting out. What advice would you give to the younger John? Oh, the younger me, the, the piece of advice I would just scream and write down and just mail letters to would be network. Um, your network is tremendous and networking is tremendous. There's so many doors that open. There's so many things that happen. If you have conversations with people and learn from other people and, and connect with others, because the world is not as a big a place as we think it is. And I think we mentioned pre-show, like there's people that move and change roles while you're talking to them about implementing software. Six months from now is a long time. And you never know where that person's going to be or what that person is going to be doing in the next six months or who they're connected to. And the other uh, bonus piece of advice is when you're talking with someone and they just joined your network and they say this phrase or they give you this line of, 
hey, look at my connections and look at my network and let me know if I can introduce you to anybody. I take people up on that offer and they're shocked. And it's like, that's what I, that's what we're doing here. I can reciprocate. I have a large network. I've been in marketing for now my 17th year. I will happily introduce you to individuals I call them that are on my bench that can help you and elevate you. So when I ask you, hey, can you introduce me to introduce me to Stacy? Yeah, I want to talk to Stacy. Here's why. And here's what we're going to cover. And here's what we're not going to cover. So first thing, network. Network like crazy. And also take people up on the opportunity to leverage people in their network. Because again, it's just like we do with the partners. If Carmen, if there's someone that you know, that means that you have that relationship. And now we have a relationship. Help me understand and help me walk into them and understand how I can help. And take advantage of that relationship to your advantage. So that's what I would tell my my younger self. Thank you for sharing that, John. I appreciate it. It's been a great having you on the show. No, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate the opportunity. Good conversation. Thanks for joining us, John. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.